0: What the hell are you watching? Bobby! It's not what you think. It's just a documentary series on YouTube. Dad, it's 6 a.m. And there's no breakfast on the table. I'm sorry, Bobby. I will go to my room shamefully.
1: I guess you could say I fell down
2: the rabbit hole. God damn it, you built that up, didn't you?
0: (laughs) That was the setup for the punchline. You didn't tell me the setup. It's improv. Oh. That's improv at its finest. Now solo. I'm just
1: thinking of the improv class from BoJack Horseman, where it's just a cult.
2: <laughs> it's improv as we say as we read all our scripts.
0: Now turn to page 394. Guys, welcome back to Legends of the Internet. This is episode twelve, I believe, of this season, and we're getting we're in the final four. So that means we're going to be covering the top four picks from all of our fans out there. That means that it's time to talk about the man that inspired this show. Uh, well, Well, he didn't actually start the show, but he inspired me to start the show. Uh, this is Frederick Nunson from Down the Rabbit Hole, the mini-documentary series on YouTube, which, by the way, he clips his milestone of 200,000 subs.
2: Hey, good for you.
1: Still not enough, man. He, he deserves way Still more. Still
2: not enough, but he's got all the attention on him.
1: I'm actually looking at it. He's almost about to hit 300,000. He's at 270,000
0: right now. Uh, you know, that's, uh, we'll explain how he was able to get as big, uh, as, big as he's getting. But... Uh, this is uh Solo and Sammy for the last time that you saw these guys. They were in the Elsa Gate video, which was like a- eons ago.
2: We were at the beginning of the season. We vanished. Now we're near the back, like a Power Rangers TV show.
0: <laughs> they c- they crawled out of the rabbit hole and are now gonna <laughs> explain how <laughs> what the experience was down there.
1: This is the first time I have seen daylight in three months.
0: <laughs> have- whoa. Uh, let's ta- let's get right into the let's get right into the rabbit hole, shall we?
1: Let's get right into the news.
0: Right into the news. Experiences like how did we sort of find this guy?
1: I found him just through YouTube recommendation. They saw that I was watching similar videos like it, um, and the, the thumbnail caught me. I forget if it was his Chris Chan video, or if it was his, uh, I think it was his uh, Collier Brothers video that got me hooked. That video, I still love it. I, I love watch the it.
2: Co- I love the Collier video, Brothers video. It was really good. How I found him? Uh, it was actually about the same time when I first discovered Chris Chan. So it was around the same time I first discovered the sh- uh, Legends of the Internet. And I sort of ran into, like, oh, this one's shorter. Let's see
0: what else it is.
2: Then it's like, oh, this is a cool guy. I'm going to subscribe to him.
0: What was it? I can't I remember re- watching the Christian video first and then I uh, wanted to see what more stuff he had and then it got into the vaporwave video. I have never heard of vaporwave before so I was like, "Huh." I had no idea what it was called until uh, somebody said, "Oh, it's pri- it's that Simpson's thing that you watched, which, you know, the whole Simpson's wave."
1: Simpson's wave? Simpson's wave is great.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's I mean that's I didn't know it was called vaporwave. I just always knew it as Simpson's wave. So I didn't know there were like two in the same thing, but I was like, oh, okay, now I'm interested. So I actually reached out to him after I got a thousand subscribers and I said, Oh, hey man, do you wanna actually come in for a hangout and actually chat for like interview purposes? So I'd like to know, like get to, you know, see what makes you tick or whatever. And he's like, Yeah, sure. This was like before he even had a hundred thousand subscribers. And him and I got to talking and it turns out we actually, you know, we pretty much got into the same, we pretty much got into our shows the exact same way. We were just intrigued by people online or the oddities online and we just decided, hey, let's make shows about it. And, you know, he's into heavy metal just as much as I'm into heavy metal. Of course, he likes them. Of course, he's into the more obscure heavy metal than I am. Like he's, he's, he's fans of bands that I didn't even know about. Uh, apparently he's also into very much into the Baba Yaga stories from Russia. So I only knew of one and I was like, oh, and you know, that was also one, one of the other major things of like how he started to get into it. And, you know, it was, it was interesting because at the time he was like, you know, I don't know how this is going to take, you know, I don't know how long this is going to last for me because I'm not totally sure if I'm going to be doing this for as a career or if I'm going to just be stuck at the job that I'm at. Because, you know, as most YouTubers go, they like to make this into their careers and then leave their jobs. So, and this, he he wasn't sure where the, where it was going to take him. And so I said, you know, I mean, trust me, you're already on a, you're already on a high run as it is. I mean, just keep going at it. Mm -hmm.
1: I like, honestly, his, his videos are extremely well made. They're very consistent. I think he does one about every month to two months around that around that time i don't know if he's still going to be doing uh grim archives videos but i remember i both i loved both his baba yaga video and his uh, krampus video a lot but if we're talking about my favorite video overall on the channel that like just actually took me down a rabbit hole and actually affected my thought process for more than the length of the video it has to be that time cube video the fucking time cube that entire like series of events is unthinkable to me. That that really took me on a journey.
0: It was interesting too because he hadn't done the time cube video yet. So I know he said he was actually uh, coming around, trying to think of when he would want to post this. Because his thought process was, okay, I don't want to waste all of my good material right away. I'll save them for like the best points of when I think it needs to get uploaded but at the time when I was talking with him he had not done the dark side phil episode yet but he told me that that was going to be like the next project he was working on he didn't tell anybody besides me at that point so I was so I talked with him and I said when I told him I was like look I done dark side phil already and uh, I have to tell you I don't know what I mean I think we pretty much had like the same amount of research but it was it, You know, I was like, oh, get ready, man, because I think that's going to, like, take you to, like, the next level, because, you know, he only done Chris Chan as, like, a major thing, and then Dark DSP. And we'll get into that when I get into the notes in a second, but...
1: And I'm I'm actually looking right now on this channel. His DSP video has slightly more views than his Chris Chan video.
0: So let me get right into what I have in my notes. So... Uh, so basically, Down the Rabbit Hole is a mini-documentary series that's been the Frederick Nunson cha- uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it's known for all different kinds of uploads, from audiobooks to other aspects of entrance to the Nunson as we, as we say. Uh, he developed a format to present oddities online without implying judgment on the subject featured in an episode. You know, he's very down-the-middle, doesn't really have opinions Kind of like, yeah, that's another thing that we've said, too. Like, his is very documentarial, and mine's very more podcast-like.
2: Yeah, he'll describe something, and then he'll give all the details for it, while we just basically describe something, and then we give our opinions on it, like our own reactions. Like, look at how popular our Christian videos were, because it was the general reaction we had from, from the people who didn't know.
0: Yeah, and I even and I even I even brought that part up. It's like, yeah, we're going in I mean, even though it's the same topics that you know we cover, it's two different directions. Like we're more, I mean, he's more documentarial sort of Netflix style thing where it's like down the middle, and here we're just presenting the information. Us, it's okay. We have the information, but now we're going to react to it because you know you, you know people like. Uh, I, I've had I had a few fans say that it's like yeah we like the documentary style of it but we also like people reacting to it as like they're getting the information for the first time because then that's entertaining not necessarily in entertaining it's the way that we're making fun of them it's the entertaining aspect of like oh we're having a fun time and here's what it is
1: it's kind of like it's kind of like why people like let's plays like if if I wanted to know like the history of and like what went behind this game I'd probably look up that but if I want to just like have the feeling of like Sitting down on our couch and like watching somebody play a game. Like, that's what that's that's the space that like let's plays fill.
0: And occasionally he would feature topics like Chris Jan, which we already mentioned, Dark Side Phil. He mentioned Spoonie. And then he did the when the Not So Awesome document came out. I remember he said when he did his six hour stream, it got number one on YouTube's trending list. Ooh. I remember I saw a tweet that he did when that happened and he was like very. Excited and privileged that that many people watched it. Uh, but a lot of his playlists is about topics that fascinated uh, Frederick himself. It has gaming, internet culture, topics that don't even get discussed at length. It reeks of just downright obscurity. Like the Collier Brothers episode that he did. Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah, like Collier video Brothers was a good video.
0: He actually admits that uh, from the time that I talked to him, that was his favorite one that he ever did. He was, like, the most proud of. He actually said that his Chris Chan and his Vaporwave videos were not so – it was not so – I mean, he wished he would have done more with it, even though it got as many views as it did. I feel that. You could just do a part two. (laughs) Uh,
1: Because then it's going to seem like, oh, you're just milking it for the views.
2: Uh,
0: Yeah, that's how everyone does it these days. The only reason I do different parts is because I can only upload to a certain amount of time. And, you know, we go a lot longer. He does like 15 to 20 minutes. We do two hours. So, like, again, podcast documentaries. Uh, he, the way that he discusses each topic, uh, it, it's, what, it's what made a lot of people, um, it's what made it interesting. Because a lot of content creators uh, would just look boring or uninteresting uh, when, they, when they talk about their stuff. Because one of the things that he likes to do, as I know, is he likes to use, like, big words that not a lot of people would actually use. And I'll I'll mention some of the words that he used in, like, a Christian video that he did. But it, it was done in a way where it caught your attention. It didn't bore you. It didn't, like, okay, what's the next video on my recommendation list or what's on the side that looks more interesting? You kind of feel that or is that just, like, oh, whatever? Like I always I always like
1: well produced documentary type videos. Like uh there was this one guy who up until recently was doing it on YouTube for Chris Chan. I think he was on like part like twelve or thirteen. Every one of these videos was like forty minutes long. He was trying to categorize every single like bit of information about Chris Chan from like him winning that contest the sonic contest all the way to current day i think he was in the middle of the whole blue spike business when youtube decided to terminate his channel because they thought he was doing some bullying so he's he's hosting it somewhere else i forget the guy's name homie is amazing and doing something very ambitious that that is pretty similar to what Frederick's been doing on his channel, but d- more dedicated to one topic instead of just, I don't know what the words I'm looking for are, uh, instead of uh, casting his net to things that he's interested in, but are multiple different subjects.
0: And that's kind of what, you know, that's, that's always, and I, I actually have a few things here that alongside with that he i'm actually going to bring up some of the stuff he brought up in his narration of the christian video which which is amazing because it came out in 2016 of august and it wasn't until two months later that i started doing this show so i you know to think that in like two months all of a sudden i'm like doing it it's it's amazing i i totally thought it was like a year before that and i just didn't stumble upon it but anyway uh he mentioned uh, in the christian video here's some of the things he mentioned he mentioned the love quest um for the boyfriend free girl, and all of his criteria that he would have on the sign, like no darkies, you know, you gotta be a white female, you gotta be 18 to 21.
1: That always that always gets me. But like, no matter what we can do, we can never escape Christian. Everything this is it's like uh I forget what I'm looking for, but it's it's like all roads lead back
2: to Christian <laughs> Yes! <laughs> We started at Christian, but we're going back to Christian.
1: We're going back. We'll never be able to leave. You're stuck in this maze, and you will never
2: escape. We're going back this October for the three-year anniversary. Uh,
0: so he is. besides that, he also mentions Sonic Chew. It's mostly his outlook of his life by putting himself in Sonic Chew's shoes. Uh, kind of like the Mary Sue deal. Uh, and Mary Louie Walsh. And, of course, Mary Lee Walsh is the villain of the whole thing. Don't
1: you mean Slaw Wheel Ryan
0: Slaw <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like
2: something you'd eat. Like,
0: uh, yes, I'll have the Slaw Wheel will I'll, I'll, I'll order the Slaw Wheel. We should turn that into a restaurant, then.
1: Oh, no. Oh, God, no. That's infringing on Chris's copyright. I don't want to want to court. Oh, you mean the piece
2: of paper that he printed out himself for the local library?
1: He had to He had to change that name because Nintendo's lawyer, Jay-Z, told him that they had that they had to change the name because it uses real people's names.
0: <laughs> so Frederick did something a little different in his documentary. Uh, some uh, documentarists, other documentarists, they showed self-drawings of Christian. They actually showed the drawings, and especially the officer nasty thing. Frederick did something different. He chose to display a black, uh, a black bar with the word nope on it. <laughs> <laughs> because
1: he has decency.
0: And there's another black, uh, another black bar that says double nope.
1: Double nope.
0: You don't want to see this. It was like, it's
1: trust me, I am, I am, I'm taking the bullet for you.
0: Yeah, when the when he showed the when he was talking about the she came for CWC picture, uh, the Meg the Megan drawing, uh, he had the word nope written to cover uh, Meg's genitals and the phrase double nope to cover up her boobs. Oh, Christ, that's,
1: that's what I'd say. It's nope.
0: Uh, he actually managed to show a, a clip, uh, though, of Chris Chan's house, which looked like uh, the Hoarders TV show.
2: Yeah.
1: that's uh, That house, man. You, I,
0: you, could, you can kill someone and just hide it in their house. You'll never find it. It's like Collier's brother 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what he uh, – relating to Bob's death, this is what he actually said in the in the video. He's, he narrated and he said, Death became a far more common theme as time wore on, and his fantasies turned from power to excessive violence. Uh, This grew worse and worse until issue number 10, where his most hated trolls are placed in a kangaroo court, where they are immediately found guilty for somehow slighting Christian.
1: Oh, yeah, in the... the, (laughs) Never mind, sorry. Uh,
0: Each of them is individually given their own torture scene. One is delivered an excruciatingly drawn-out death by electric chair, one is hung against a wall and shot by three different people. One is te- telekinetically twisted and uh, deformed before his heart is exploded, and one has holes drilled into him by two other characters, one of whom is an extremely young child.
1: Yeah, that's the one. Fuck me, I forgot how I forgot how graphic that was.
0: I'm sort of sad that you missed that
2: in your in your Sonichu video last season.
0: Oh, we didn't even cover that. Yeah, one. you didn't
2: cover it. I was like, I want to hear your reactions.
0: Like, damn it. No, we we, we we were getting to a point where we were just having enough. I mean, it was tough. I mean, I've already read through it, but when I was trying to describe the sex between Sonic 2 and Rose 2, they just gave up at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I,
1: I have a feeling that everyone has their own limit of Chris Chan that they can take. And some people, it's it's kind of like alcohol tolerance. Like some people are lightweights, some people are heavyweights. You just have to know your tolerance and how you're able to handle your Chris Chan. <laughs> Otherwise, you might lose yourself in the in the in the in the in the rabbit hole.
2: That sounds like a bonus video, though.
1: <laughs> hey, kids! Hey, kids! You wanna you wanna hear more about the long, drawn out, and graphic executions of? these real fucking people that chris does not like here you go here you go subscribe to patreon (laughs) donate to my patreon so i can buy more legos (laughs) donate so we can make the video
0: so other than that he also talked about chris chan's uh transition into a gabian since he didn't want to call since chris didn't want to call himself gay he none, uh, Frederick described the public's reaction as, and I quote, "The consensus seemed mostly to be mild amusement rather than a raptured interest as it once had been."
2: Yeah, cuz at that point the only reason Chris became a gay being was so that he can draw attention to himself.
1: The the internet moves on. Like like people people will find something else to obsess over and bully and do horrible things to like around like just just think of like the viral videos from years past like there was rebecca black and then there was like sigh and like all the like just time time time. now it's like the paul brothers like people just love to hate people and mess with people and it's it's just like beyond chris's time and i think I think I think he's having a hard time dealing with that, but I don't know if if if, if he's entirely certain about what's been happening lately.
2: Yeah, like a lot of uh, uh, people like him, they drive for attention. They love attention, and if they stop receiving the same amount they've been getting, they're gonna do something drastic.
1: It's kind. Of, it's kind of like what Kanye's been doing lately with with his whole like supporting Trump thing is, like, people stopped paying attention to him after the whole, like, Taylor Swift thing at the VMAs in 09. And so, like, he's put out some amazing art. And uh, I'll always say to people who, like, don't understand why I like Kanye, I'll always say I might not agree with what the man does in his real life, and I might not agree with the man himself, but he's he might be out there mentally. He might be out to lunch a lot of times recently because he doesn't take his meds, but... The man's a musical genius, and he's probably one of the greatest musicians of
0: our generation. History history will say otherwise. but you know People have their personal opinions, but... Uh, he also pointed out the rise of the Christorians without actually referring to himself as one. Uh, he said, There's still a section of internet den- denizens labeling themselves Christorians who keep track of his activities and collate them. But the tone seems to have shifted from that of bullying to a distant fascination.
1: Yeah, like I feel like Frederick just made a video on it because he found it interesting. I don't think he actively follows Chris Chan. Like he, he's he's said his piece. He made his thing that he wanted to make, and now he's moving on to other topics of discussion.
2: Yeah, but everyone will ever. But he dug himself into a different rabbit hole that he got out of. But a lot of people are still trapped into it.
0: Well, see, well, when I did the episode, I had not paid attention to him in five years. It was just a wave that my friends and I were like, hey, here's the story that I remember seeing from years ago. I was like, hey, you guys
1: remember Chris Chan? Like, this is, this was crazy, wasn't it?
0: Oh, well, they had no idea. I mean, Shane was the only person besides me that knew most about him. Vin and Alex, I mean, they didn't know enough so when we were discussing it, it was like, "What the hell?" Okay, that's how the whole thing started.
2: Yeah, then that was the first episode for Legends of the Internet, and it all went downhill from there.
1: We've never been able to reach that zenith. That was the first Chris Chan video.
0: Yeah, I, I ain't worried about that. I, I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep going on as always.
1: I feel like I feel like the content's improved. We have. a we have some we have some proper production value behind the behind the operation now
0: yeah it just keeps you know you just got to keep improving as much as you can without having to worry about what you've done in the past that is that is the 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 pinnacle of any successful person
1: what's done is done
0: i mean even even one hit wonders i mean hey at least like you're at least you made one hit at least you're not a no wonder so uh he concluded that frederick and uh he Frederick concluded the episode by saying, uh, and I quote, The phenomenon that is Christian Weston Chandler now serves as a classic case study of online harassment, while the man himself stands as a symbol of delusion and spite. His story is a lesson the internet does not forget.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's always a cautionary tale that I have to... See play out time and time again. Whenever somebody messes up on the internet, it's like the internet's the internet's forever. You can't you can't erase that. You can try, you can try to stop. You can try to scrub images or videos or articles off the internet, but unless you have a lot of money and a lot of influence and a lot of power, it is impossible. What what is there is there, and for all intents and purposes, unless uh, like a massive we, we hit a sunburst and it hits the entire planet with an EMP, that's in, set in stone. That's not going away.
0: And suffice to say, Frederick actually uh, presenting Chris Chan as a case study actually um, inspired G- Gino Samuel, a YouTuber, to actually um, present Chris in a Netflix-style documentary series uh, that's devoid of judgment and it was packed with fascination and curiosity. So he influenced somebody else.
1: That, that's his name uh the guy who had to leave youtube because uh i guess i guess some people flagged his channel and he got hit with like three consecutive community strikes and it automatically deleted the channel um i forget where he's hosting his videos now but it's i know it's not on youtube anymore but they're still out there if you're looking for them i r- highly recommend them they're very good
2: uh, what videos again
1: uh the guy's name is Gino Samuel. He just has a series on Chris Chan that's like Yeah, he's taken a like I don't know if he's permanently stopped, but I remember the last update video I watched said, he said he was taking a pretty long break. Like yeah, I, I can he,
2: understand because if you're going into Chris he territory... He hit his
1: limit. He was putting out videos like sometimes in the early days when he like had videos backed up, forty minute videos on Chris Chan twice a week. This dude was hitting the grind and I I have to appreciate that hustle. He's insane. I love him.
2: It's like you don't have like in my opinion, you should have probably like divided them out further, like I don't know, 40, 40 minute video every two weeks or so. It's
1: like, yeah man, take a breather, cause I cause I can't handle that and I'm just watching it. I didn't have to research it, write it, edit it, and upload it.
0: <laughs> well when you're doing everything yourself, I mean when you're when you're moving that fast, you just gotta keep you just wanna keep us going as much as you can. And, you know, push push it to the limit, as they say. Uh, so the way that Frederick ended the actual episode, it contained a clip of Frederick himself plugging the first episode of Down the Rabbit Hole, what he did, because he anticipated that most people on YouTube were going to watch the Christian video first without realizing that it wasn't the first episode. So he actually plugged his Digital Homicide Studios episode. Smart,
1: smart synergy.
0: Yeah, uh, as of this recording, Chris Chan's, uh, ep- the Chris Chan episode's got 1.3 million views, and Digital Homicide only has 623,000. But getting into his first ever video, which was the Digital Homicide Studios episode, it, sh- it-, it showed what down the rabbit hole uh, demographic was going to be. Uh, yeah, in the video description, it says, The first and what I hope to be a miniature documentary series on internet rabbit holes. This first one is about Digital Homicide Studios, a delusional two-man game studio and the insane actions they take when they can't handle criticism.
1: That's, that's still a story to be told.
0: Like, yeah.
1: that, that whole can of beans.
0: Yeah. Frederick said in the episode, um, he said that this company often resorts to what's called asset flimping. It's a gaming vice that Frederick described as how sometimes a lazy or cheap developer will buy a my rate of assets and plunk those onto basic coding and then call it complete. Which I'm not a game developer, so I, but even then, I know exactly what that means. It's like, okay, we're just going to take all this information and then plump.
1: It's just buying a um, lot of assets from the Unity store and then just churning, churning games out with no like thought put into them. And that's. Excuse me. I have to say, if you're a burgeoning game developer and you're using assets bought from the Unity Store, that's not inherently a bad thing. Like, creating assets is hard. And it's not... Like, if, you, if you're if you using Unity Store-bought assets or other assets that are pre-made from other people, that is completely fine. But there's a difference between, you like, putting thought into a game and just using pre-made assets to, like accomplish your goal and then just or buying these assets and then just making like 50 games in a week and then just trying to flood steam with them to try and hook some people into buying your like two dollar game that you have listed that you like did not think about
2: making i've said it before that i think uh, what digital homicides would be a good legends of the internet video
0: yeah, it's actually in the top ten right now. Yeah, uh, we have next to, season. We
2: have to make it real. Like I want to talk
0: about it. I want to be on that it's video. A, it's
2: a very, it's a very interesting story.
0: So the ga- so he keeps going on. He was saying the gaming developer then gains the unlimited rights to utilize that particular asset, meaning that this process is illegal, hundred uh, percent. The gameplay is rudimentary. There is no artistic unity. And even the menus are uniquely painful to use. The assets are recycled ad nauseum, including a cyclops, a rat, a bare chested harpy, an actual bear, sun dried zombies, skeletons, and numerous others. Uh, it also contains some gamer jargon, so brace yourself if you're not familiar with what Frederick had to say in the episode. He also had to attach a disclaimer, saying, I was not paid for any endorsements in this video. Uh, it actually managed to cover the way Jim Sterling reviewed games by the company. Which, by the way, Jim Sterling is also another popular choice for the next season. Yep.
1: Undoubtedly, yeah. He's a cool
2: person.
0: Uh, so the uh, Digital Homicide Studios' ill mattered response to his co- Jim Sterling's commentary and the interview that involved into a confrontation between Sterling and one of the studio um, founders, yeah, they Robert Romney.
1: They, they went to court,
2: didn't they? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The court thing.
0: Well, that's a story for another day. Uh, He actually, uh, Frederick was actually managed to boost the view count of this episode with the help of his epilogue of the Christian episode, as we mentioned before. But it also earned another boost once Jim Sterling found the video. He liked it and then tweeted it for his followers to watch. So on Twitter, this is what. Oh, no, no he actually no, not on Twitter, but this was actually a comment that he actually posted in the video. He said, "Wow, this unexpectedly blew up. Huge thanks to Jim Sterling for tweeting this out. This was made in a huge rush. I did it in three days from conception to completion. It includes research, script writing, voicing, and editing. And it's definitely a bit rough because of that. People are pointing out a few inaccuracies. First, he does make money off of his videos. Only the Jim Quincension ones are funded through Patreon. Oops. Second, while the case could still go to court, the research I did seems to say that has technically been dismissed, but Digital Homicide still has a chance to issue a rebuttal. As far as I can tell, they're on their second attempt to make the lawsuit coherent. I try to make the gist of it somewhat clear in the video, but trying to explain everything that was going on would have been even more confusing. In short, my bad.
1: It was a very iffy subject with a lot of different spinning plates. Like, I I can't imagine trying to cover that entire
0: thing in only three days. I beg forgiveness from the gods of legal jargon and pedantry. (laughs) Anyways, hope you enjoy. And edit. Also, I call the interview a review at the end of the relevant segment. I'm convinced that some issues only appear after a video is viewed by a larger audience. I propose further quantum research into the spontaneous manifestation of errors.
1: We crossed over into the Berenstein universe, not the Berenstein universe.
0: Oh, that mess. Another edit, I realized that in the last day or so, Digital Homicide has threatened litigation on a number of other people and that a number of their green light games have been torn down from Steam. Once more happens, I'll likely make a follow-up video.
1: Which he eventually did.
0: Yes. Uh, He called it Digital Homicide Finale. (laughs) <laughs> that one with the, the fucking.
1: The thumbnail for that video is terrifying.
2: <laughs> it screams into your soul.
1: <laughs> What's that? What's that video of the the bread thing from that donut Mayhem VHS tape? The seed of evil has germinated within you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the it's like the video like zooms in on the face and it's just, like gets all bloody, We're all red and grainy.
0: <laughs> But the, in the description for the finale video, Frederick said, On August 8th, 2016, I uploaded a video about Digital Homicide Studios, a universally reviled game developer, assuming their strange behavior was finished. I was wrong. Uh, he, uh, Frederick credited the term asset-flipping to Jim Sterling. Uh, so the earlier part of the video, it showed the videos about Digital Homicide, and it transitioned into... The Romine, the Romine brothers uh, making to revive their company under a different name after the rise in popularity of the movement called Digital Homicide Poop Games.
2: <laughs> yeah, was that what it's actually called?
0: Yeah.
1: No. Wow. wow. That's, a, that's a really imaginative
2: title, guys. With the same name.
0: Uh, it's, it's due to the fact that the lawsuit against Jim Sterling got dismissed and resulted in bad PR.
1: <laughs> bad PR. I mean I I consider it bad PR if you just this is a really bad business practice and once you're caught, you're kinda caught. Like you can't really slink back into the darkness after
0: you after someone exposes you for those. You can't get out of that way. Yeah. The internet always records everything. Mm-hmm.
2: a Look at Christian. <laughs>
0: So in trying to reclaim their reputation, the Romine brothers filed charges against the Steam users. Oh, yeah, I remember what? that.
1: Oh, that was horrible. Oh, that sounds really dumb. You know how many millions of people are on Steam?
2: And they pretty much did the worst thing you could do to a Steam user.
0: So around this time, Frederick was trying to remain within the mini documentary realm. The sequel spanned only about 15 minutes or so, which was shorter than the original, which was only 19 minutes. But it managed to cover the company's offensive moves against negative feedback and the super repetition or the surrepetitiously repetitiously filed ways to sell games online again using the same assets bought as mentioned before. Uh, Frederick was sharing, managed to share his viewpoints about the lawsuits, revealing the 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 brothers' grammar weaknesses and poorly found allegations of conspiracy. Uh, with the lawsuits failing to gain momentum, the lawsuits were dismissed. So Frederick actually did get some feedback from a commentator. Himself worked as a moderator from the digital homicide poop game site. This is what he said, and I quote moderator from digital homicides poop games here just wanted to applaud you on the fantastic investigating done for the video it is clear you have a lot of dedication for what you do despite what a lot of people are saying and from what a lot of people have been messaging me about i am highly doubtful that the romines are going to be returning to steam as even an idiot can see there will be more risk than reward for them especially with the significant higher load of games coming onto the platform. Even if they did come back, they won't generate much revenue then in comparison to when the platform was significantly less noisy. But I'm still getting pretty sick of the almost daily messages of people telling me that they have returned and their only evidence is that the game is an asset flip.
2: A lot of people do it. It's cheap. It's easy.
1: It's a really easy way to fool people. Like... Like, I, I'm a little worried about that because of what um, Epic Games is doing with Fortnite on Android Mobile. Like, they're foregoing uh, the Google Play Store in favor of just hosting it on their own website. The The reason it's a little worrying for me is because, as you have probably noticed, a large majority of Fortnite's player base, especially on the mobile platform, are children and preteens. And in order to install apk applications on an android phone that isn't from the google play store you have to turn off a security setting that forbids that and it's a really easy way for people to uh get information off of your phone um and like for me i have that off by default because i do i have a i have a third-party youtube client that i use on my phone every day and i love it because i don't like the one that google provides but i'm smart enough to not download iffy apk files of a 12 year old probably isn't that smart and he and he just wants to play fortnite and like that that's what scares me about that
0: so now we're going to get into the internet culture of uh, that frederick goes his strength is uh doing things outside of youtube or topics outside of youtube like some of the videos that he's done Include Mother Horse Eyes.
2: Yes, yeah, so that was a weird and in, in a good video. Empress Teresa. <laughs> that
0: that was that was there. That was good.
1: That was a video.
0: <laughs> uh, the Final Fantasy House. Ah, the glory. Yeah, long time one.
1: coming. I'm surprised he did it. I thought I thought it had been talked to death.
0: My jaw was dropped several times in that video. Like Jesus Christ. I hope these people got help. <laughs> and. And we've already talked about the vaporwave stuff a little bit, but yeah, vaporwave as well. Uh, The video description is just one sentence with the rest of the video description or insight found in the comments section. He said, this subject isn't nearly as well-known or popular, but I wanted to share it badly enough to make a video about it. Something about me is drawn to delusional artists.
1: Yeah, it's it's very easy to get lost in those types of rabbit holes. Like, Chris Chan is a prime example
0: he actually said something in a clip that gave a nice prelude to the insanity that was about to unfold. He said, In late 2013, a man named Norman Bowton self-published a book on Kindle entitled Empress Teresa. The book's page on Amazon was striking with an amateurish cover depicting a woman of intermediate age in a collage-style drawing. Um, the woman was the titular character whom... Butin described as almost perfect as a person. The synopsis found in the Amazon of the book was far from perfect, though, if the grammar is to be noticed. Also, it sounded less like a synopsis and more like a plug. Uh, Frederick quoted the synopsis, You want a strong female? Try Empress Teresa. After reading page one... No, never mind that. After reading the second paragraph on page one, you know nothing will stop this girl. (laughs)
1: Like, it's... That tone is so standoffish. You want a strong female character? Try Empress Teresa. (laughs) I just, I, I love this. Teresa is honest, courageous, brilliant, loved by everybody. Even China wants to take herself out of danger. Happily married, powerful but harmless. Thoughtful of others' welfare, not just her own. A believer in God and an inspiration to the young and old.
2: And then when people started reading it, they found out, oh, this is sort of sexual a little bit.
0: Yeah, the the synopsis even goes back into harsh cell mode. It said, Empress Teresa is what some people would consider impossible. A book about a good girl with no sex, foul language, or violence, but still giving the reader an action-filled fascinating story.
2: Can't can't really do that or else you're going to compromise the story. I, lo- I love the two top comments
1: on the Empress Teresa video on Frederick's channel. The second most, the one that is not pinned by him, to tie it back to Digital Homicide, says, so this is what Digital Homicide would look like if the guy wrote books instead. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then the comment that is pinned by Frederick himself is all in caps, Mmm, ye, that's some good shit. Keep it coming, daddy-o.
0: <laughs> that was a good shit. <laughs> uh. <coughs> but the book is not as interesting as the comment section on Amazon.
2: If you read it or saw the stream, I couldn't help but notice that Theresa mentions that a family member has schizophrenia in the first chapter. After she mentioned this, she goes on about how she knows they're watching her, they know about her. <laughs> Whoa! This is a comment I'm reading it and like this is oh
0: god. But every negative feedback that the book received, Butin had a rebuttal for it. It was presented in how the Empress was discussed on writingforums.com. This was also where Frederick found the screenshots of some of Butin's reactions to the feedback. He's uh, with one of them saying, either you simply don't understand what you're reading or you deliberately are picking my sentences out of context from different sources and putting them together as to make me look self-contradictory and to make it seem I'm saying something I didn't say. Neither of these two choices is good, my young friend.
1: I I love the difference between Harper Lee and you is that you aren't Harper Lee.
0: (laughs) I
2: don't know who Harper Lee is, but I'm guessing he's probably a bad person.
1: Uh, she wrote um, to kill a
0: mockingbird. Uh, the back and forth banter between Mutant and the writers went on for three months. <laughs> I forgot how drawn out it was.
2: Yeah, three oh, months it in be- a filled up comment thread.
0: Oh. <sighs> so on Amazon, the Empress Teresa received one star ratings, with one of the users called Smedlock stating that, according to Frederick, the novel is filled with poorly written dialogue, awkward descriptions, and erroneous character reactions. The titular character seemed like a projection of Buten until the parts that describe Teresa's body, from the way he she filled her dress with an ample bosom and other cleavage related uh, related details, it made Buten look like some creepazoid.
1: There's there's always like that uh that thread that someone posts on Twitter of always like. You know, a young adult novel from the perspective of a teenage girl is always written by an adult straight man. If it starts describing the way that she fills her clothes or like (laughs) describes her skin and um, it always freaks me out.
0: There was one Amazon uh, commenter called Ravi Peen Rajkumar, who was a little more creative in actually reviewing the book, according to Frederick. And the review said, Empress is not a bad book. Neither is it a terrible book. It is one of those things that convinces me of the infinite mercy of God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you know it's going to be interesting if it leads you to a religious experience.
0: Oh, boy. So the seriousness of the problem became evident because uh, once one reviewer, Brent Butler, said, this author is spamming this book under, under other reviews, yeah, paying attention also to how Uh, Butin pitched the book based on how it was better than to kill a mockingbird.
1: That's why people keep talking about Harper Lee.
0: (laughs) Whether it's a deliberate attempt to pitch the book as better than it actually is displays how delusional Butin is. Uh, It provided an insight into uh, Frederick not only as a documentarist, but as a writer. Uh, Butin shown through screenshots gathered by Frederick on how egotistical he is as a novelist It served as a case study about writers that can't handle negative feedback, no matter how constructive uh, such efforts looked. Other sites that covered the terrible state of the book were lousy book covers and the worst things for sale. Uh, Supporting his documentary with screenshots helped analyze human behavior that's related to writers. And then discussion about the novel reached a screeching halt in November of 2016 with an Amazon note stating, This discussion has reached the maximum length permitted and cannot accept new reviews. Under it, under it wrote, showing 9,991 to 10,000 of 1,000 posts in this discussion.
2: Christ, yeah, it reaches a a striking halt. And it's like, oh, we can't talk
0: about it. But no one knows where where the discussion went. Uh, So getting away from that one, there's another uh, documentary about Henry Darger. That was uploaded in August of last year. It served as a stark contrast to Empress Teresa. Uh, can we talk about Empress Teresa's fucking cover? Uh, in th- when we actually do the Empress Teresa episode, we will. Okay. We save it for content. All right, all right, all right. All right. We got to save it for when we're doing the individual all stuff. Right. I'm just going to say that he updated it since the video came out. It looks worse.
1: I just have to say, like every every cover that Empress Teresa has ever had is a work of art.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at it, it a... belongs.
1: It belongs in the loop.
0: <laughs> dead eye and dead
2: fingers.
1: Oh God.
0: Well, so anyway, getting back into the Henry Darger thing. Uh, so Henry Darger was born on April twelfth, eighteen ninety-two, in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Darger's work only got published post uh, got got published after he died. Uh, this got him classified, according to Frederick, as an outsider artist. Uh, Frederick went on to describe the outsider artist mostly as one that operated outside the artist community with an art practice as self-taught and largely without any formal training. Whether this is a deliberate attempt to keep his art to himself and avoid judgment from other people is left to speculation. The kind of material found in the artwork tried to dwell into the psyche of Darger, a reclusive man with very few friends that were not even sure about the proper pronunciation of his last name. It kind of it sounds like Dagger, according to Frederick. That's like the pronunciation, but I say Darger. <laughs> so, because, you know, there's an R in there and they don't give any interpretation that the R is silent. Uh, so, uh, Frederick wrote in the description. Henry Darger is responsible for crafting 30,000 pages of writing and approximately 300 original pieces of gorgeous and terrifying visual art, all of which was discovered only when he was on his deathbed in Chicago. However, few know his name and even fewer know where he came from.
1: It's kind of like it's kind of like the same situation of if you've ever seen that that piece of art, um Saturn devouring his son by Francisco Goya, it's um uh, Goya had locked himself in his room I think Nerdwriter did a video on this um, where he just painted these giant horrifying murals on his, on, his, uh, on his walls and after he had died the people had discovered them and that's how they found them and one of them is a depiction of the Titan Saturn uh, eating his, his children so that they don't kill him which ends up happening but it's it's a very interesting. Uh, not only is it a very, um, ugh, I can't talk today. Um, it's an interesting myth um, and a really cool story of how the Titans gave way to the to the gods. But it's also a terrifying art piece. it it, it shakes me to my soul every time I see it.
0: Yeah, it's like yeah. There's like some arts or some stories that I can't, or some songs that I can't even like read, watch, or listen to because of just how disturbing they either look or sound or how, how it's presented.
1: Yeah, kind like, of like how, like, you know, how like, no way.
0: Yeah, and that's why you lock them in like a dark part of your mind and you never let it out. So there was actually, so Darger actually had some similarities to Christian. Chan. Uh, it was noted by some commenters based on his interaction with how he was in school uh, it was from being disruptive and downright violent, with one story resulting in Darger uh, assaulting a female classmate with a knife. So Frederick was very non-judgmental in describing some of the artwork, where little girls are drawn with penises.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have I have Frederick's video just playing muted while we're talking about this, and it started to get to that art, and I was like, what? What? Hold on a minute. What is this? <laughs>
0: Uh, there's actually a comment, uh, A one person commented, Megantron, uh, she described the art as self-inserts and lolly femme boys, calling, this, uh, calling Darger way ahead of his time.
1: <laughs> way ahead of his time of drawing naked children.
0: So looking at the drawings of the girls, though, they don't look sexualized. They look like little kids found somewhere naked while playing. Uh, This is a clear understanding of how some kids will play regardless of whether they have clothes on or not. Uh, Some kids, though, were drawn without genitals, similar to a doll when stripped of its clothes. This was made obvious when Darger based his drawings on anything within he was seeing. Uh the drawings are found in his work of fiction. It's called The Story of the Vivian Girls in what is known as the Realms of the Unreal, of the Glandeco Angelian War Storm Caused by the Child Slave Rebellion. God, that's a long title. Yeah, and uh.
1: when you first hear it, you just like It's just like word vomit. You're just like, what hold on, what? What 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 did you say?
0: But it's better known as in the realms of the unreal.
1: I, f- I found I found this this comment on frederick's video about him uh that frederick himself actually liked it has 400 likes it's by some guy named conky and his picture is a funny picture of donkey kong it says on the fact that the girls had penises which sounds like an interesting name of an essay i think it is very reasonable to assume he simply didn't know what the female anatomy looked like given the lack of sex education of the period especially in an asylum turned work camp The absence of his mother, the separation from his father during much of his upbringing, crucially his formative puberty years, and his clear social uh, maladjustment from late teens to adulthood, there simply doesn't seem like an instance where he would have been educated about the female anatomy— Unless there is any instance in his work where a vagina is drawn correctly or any sexual experience is mentioned in his autobiography, I think this is the most logical conclusion, more so than assuming the otherwise asexual man was homosexual or transgender. Which, I mean, I feel like if Frederick liked it, I guess it it, it holds some water.
0: Yeah, he was also very non-judgmental about the whole thing. Um, you know, he focused, he presented an actual artist with a talent becoming, um, very different because he needed an outlet for his urges. I mean, he, I mean, Frederick talks about how Darger got uh, arrested for masturbating, that that was the chief reason for him being committed to an insane asylum.
2: Yeah, back then was a weird time. It was. You're like, what, um,
1: what's his face? Uh. His name is escaping me now, and I hate it. Pee-wee Herman. Um, yeah. His... Yeah, um, Paul Rubin. Paul Rubens. Thank you. Um, I think he just had, what, jail time? And, like, that was it? Like, some community service and a fine, I'm guessing?
0: And he did the, uh, the crack commercial.
1: That was what
0: that was for? Yeah. It was around the same time.
1: I didn't know that. Oh, I, I still love that video. I, I lose it every time just Pee-wee Herman just holds up the little bottle and he goes, This is crack.
2: This is crack. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking video. Imagine you're like (laughs) scrolling through a subreddit in the middle of the night and all of a sudden hear this is crack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, where is that coming from?
1: Pee-wee, why are you telling me about crack cocaine?
2: (laughs) Pee-wee Herman,
0: no You can't imagine they must have been smoking something, especially if Rob Zombie is doing your theme song. Oh,
1: dude, yes.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so there's actually a person that commentated on the video about why masturbation would lead you to an insane asylum. Um, He said, interestingly, the prevalence of circumcision in the U.S. among non-Jews and non-Muslims is due to a historical fear of masturbation around the turn of the century. It was apparently Kellogg's, uh, the same man who invented the cereal. Uh, it was apparently Kellogg's. He was a huge proponent of it. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's very hard to talk about masturbation with a straight face back then.
1: I, I remember this. Yeah, I remember like hearing about this in passing in some other video.
0: Yeah, Frederick even went into how um, there's th- there was a different set of morals back then. So he just he covered pretty much all of that. Um, so anyway, uh, another one of his, uh, famous down the rabbit hole videos was his two part series on anime and otaku.
1: Oh man, that's a, that's, that's like an entire channel.
0: Yeah, uh, he had, he, you know, he, he, that's why he had to split it into two parts cause they had to try to make it under 20 minutes. Um, it managed to, he was able to do two clips that were distinct. Part one discussed how anime was more of a response to the rise of Walt Disney in terms of influence in Japan. Uh, It resulted in a misconception that the nuking of Japan was the reason behind the rise of anime. Uh, That's actually an issue that he addressed later in one of his mistakes videos uh, that he does. Uh, Part 1 also mentioned how anime served as subliminal commentary on nuclear power, showing how nuclear power produced the hero in Astro Boy.
1: Astro Boy is so influential
0: and how the same nuclear power resulted in a terrifying evolution in the form of Godzilla.
1: <laughs> yeah, I lo- I lo- I love Godzilla as a time capsule, the original one of um of just the Japanese people reacting to uh, the tragedy that was the nuclear bombs. Like this is the horror that has been wrought upon us. Now we have
0: to deal with it. And uh, so, part two was actually discussing how anime served as escapist entertainment in Japan, which produced a generation of men who were unemployed and stayed at home to watch anime and collect anime merchandise.
1: Yeah, that's that's st- that's still a problem to this day. Like hikikomori is like an issue that a lot of people suffer with, and like people like, oh, you guys are just lazy and not doing stuff no it's like a real mental condition that they need help with but no one seems to and like it's weird for me
0: yeah because they don't understand it it's like i don't do it so everyone likes to put themselves on a higher moral ground and usually when somebody is on a lower point than you and they don't understand like why you're going through that it's like come on man what what the what the hell's going on with you you, nobody, nobody looks at you through the eyes of somebody else. You're always being judged on a bias of somebody else's viewpoints. So that's why mental health is where it's at right now because you know we're not fully understanding of it or we probably don't want to and want to blame it on something else. But that's generally that's generally a thing. And he goes into insight about that you know, because anime was really into like for 16 to 24 year old range, but it, it was an interesting insight into it.
1: Yeah, it's anime and otaku culture is is a very is a very weird little realm that I have sometimes dipped my toes into like I don't watch anime regularly. I there are a few anime that I that have had a big impact on my life and I'm not going to lie about that. Like I still to this day like whenever somebody says that they don't watch anime and they don't want to I always try to push them towards watching like uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, just because of how how much of a good piece of art it is, not necessarily anime, because uh, there are, there are people who will get lost in anime, and that's all they talk about, and that's th- their entire life, and I I just can't do that, and I don't want to do that, um, but. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's had a big impact on me and a lot of people. Like, um, Especially just before my time. I was born, I think, in the same year that the first series of Pokemon games came to North America. And that show, that 4Kids dub of that show, big impact on an entire generation. Just like, who are like 4 to 5 years older than me.
0: Oh, trust me. When, when that first came out, I was 8 years old. And... God, you should have, you should have, you should have seen like the first week after, like all of us watched it, and uh, the next day we all had Pokemon merchandise. It, it it went like it was like a storm, and that was like all we ever talked about for like a good part of like two years before we went to middle school.
1: Like see, like, like when when uh, when I came around, when my generation came around, Pokemon wasn't the hot thing anymore. It was Yu Gi Oh. Yu Gi Oh was the Hottest thing! I remember, I had, in kindergarten, for show and tell one day, I brought my dual disc from the original Yu-Gi-Oh series. I I had a ton of cards. I had to sell them. I think I had to sell them all.
2: I still, I still have my cards.
1: I wish I still did. I want, to, I want to get some of the old original ones. Like I think the only ones I have are. Uh, I want to say like twelve years ago, there was this little card shop at a mall, um, that. I don't think exists anymore, but I was actually able to buy like all five pieces of Exodia from them, and those I think those, those I think those five cards are the only Yu-Gi-Oh cards I still have.
2: For me, it was Bakugan when I was in, oh, in elementary yes, school. Oh yes, I remember that. I remember, I remember that Bakugan had... was the shit before they decided to go to season three, and then they it got it got confusing after season three because at first they're like, "Here's regular Bakugan. Here's Trap Bakugan, whose rules I still don't understand."
1: I remember I back when Bakugan was the shit. I had the main protagonist, little Bakugan dude, the little red dragon dude, and my the desks that we had in fourth at the school I went to for fourth and fifth grade, they were they had a little cubby inside of them and they were metal, and and so I was able to stick my Bakugan on the inside of my desk, and they would stick there and they would open up because it was magnetic and it, and they would stay there and no one would steal them they were hidden and i was like now i have my little buddies i was like that was, that was really fun do
2: you remember the fucking the fucking bakugan mech they had at one point
1: <laughs> i don't think i do I, I i wasn't that deep into bakugan
2: what happened was in, like in the second one where they introduced the trap one they're like all right the main character he gets five of them and they can fuse with him and he yes! can combine the toys voltron! together and it's like fucking
1: <laughs> make it voltron yes
2: <laughs> i'm just reminded that one fucking video where it's like the pawns formed the Chessatron.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
2: <coughs> yeah, Gen 3 was cool, but it added like, oh, these Bakugan, they can have extensions to them. They get jetpacks and wings.
1: Honestly, like, seven-year-old me would be heavy into that. That sounds so awesome.
2: I still have mine somewhere. I just gotta remember where I put them.
1: But yeah, man, the anime, it's weird. Hey kids, don't don't do anime. It's a dangerous drug.
0: Yeah, it is. Help us. That's why, that's why I only keep. That's why I only stick to JoJo, and that's it.
1: I do it. I do it in moderation. I watch every once in a while. I watch Cowboy Bebop and FMA Brotherhood, and if I'm feeling especially guilty, I'll watch the one that got me into anime. I'll watch Soul Eater, and that's it.
0: So uh, other episodes that Frederick did DSP, Darkside Phil. The big one, the the one that I
2: don't understand, the one I never watched yet.
0: Yeah, he actually said it's almost rivals the Chris Chan episode in terms of view count.
1: It does now. It it has surpassed it now.
0: Yeah, it's one point four, and and Chris Chan is one point three. Uh, he made this mini documentary at a time when DSP's masturbation issue was up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's a great sentence, Joe. That's a great sentence.
2: What did I just hear?
0: <laughs> he was quick to the chase about admitting how difficult it was to cover Darkseid Phil as a documentary <laughs> subject.
2: I've heard stories about a person who went who tried to do it and then he forgot to turn off a stream. Is that what happened? Yep, that's that's DSP. <laughs> that was him. That's actually oh. a, that's actually a worse fear of mine.
0: <laughs> Well, don't have a pre-stream recording then. Use Google Hangout. <laughs> or use Elgato. Um, anyway, so this is what Frederick said in, his, uh, uh, in the comments section. He said, this episode was arduous to make. Philip has a strong tendency to ramble, making it time-consuming to research, which incidentally is why this episode took so long. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: Phil, you're impeding other people's projects and work ethic.
0: Edit. I'd also like to mention that I didn't tell the full story behind Laveria Media. Their side of the story is that when Laveria Media learned uh, Poltavi was hiding, was hiring DSP, they demanded they rescind their offer. It was also n- done at the time when DSP was still in a relationship with Liana, adding a back black sl- side later at the end, noting that the couple had split up in the middle of making the clip. Um... Some people in the uh, commenting in the DSP episode do not appreciate how Frederick referred to swatting as a questionable practice. Um, one person that comment, uh, commented said, uh, "This person's name is Addison Wilson." said Swatting is not just questionable; it is illegal in all of the USA and is a felony in some states. Yeah,
1: it's awful. It, I'd, it's I'd... something
2: that you can't really do.
1: I will never understand what joy people get out of swatting people because, uh, like, me and my friends, we used to be fans of the creatures back when they were still a thing. And, when, and when, when, jo- when, Jordan got, when Jordan got swatted on stream, it terrified me because I legitimately thought they were going to kill him.
0: And he also says, while I don't like DSP, you should not use such indecisive language about absolute scumbags committing attempted murder. Uh, and there's no question about the downfall, and we've covered this in two parts of a D- uh, Darkside Phil ourselves. But when typing Darkside Phil in a search box, uh, the search results would consist mostly of this is how you don't play or the, the how you don't play a dark Phil" clips instead of clicks actually uploaded by Darkside Phil. Uh, Phil's inability to handle criticism, even respected gamers like Total Biscuit was shown in full glory in the video that he did. Which was 30 minutes long, by the way.
1: Rest in peace, my boy, my boy, Total Biscuit.
2: Uh, rest in peace, Biscuit. You'll always be our biscuit in, our, in the sky.
1: <laughs> always be our biscuit.
0: Uh, so Frederick's attempt at uploading slightly longer clips in order to at least cover the meat and potatoes. Uh, the corrections are still mentioned, though, in the video description. Uh, Frederick said, first of all, Phil doesn't live in a condo anymore. It appears he purchased a two-story home in Seattle. Second, a few of his friends approached Machinima looking to get him partnered. They didn't seek him out. Third, he deleted the videos which lost him his viewership, not just setting them to private. Fourth, people alleging to be part of Laveria Mania approached the Sons of Kojima and stated that when they learned of Philip's reputation, they ordered Poltevi to pull out of the contract. Uh, fifth, the first D in DDoS stands for distributed, not dedicated, it's, as I had stated. It's dedicated. Uh, but besides all of those uh, videos that he does, uh, Frederick also does live readings. So with the kind of attention that Empress Teresa garnered, it then resulted to a live reading session with Frederick Knudsen featuring the ill-fated work of fiction. It was one of the early down-the-rabbit-hole live stream specials that he does. Uh, The other live reading special that put Frederick in the trending topics, which we talked about, is his live reading of the Not-So-Awesome document. Uh, He spent almost five hours online reading the document, pausing in between in case the revelations read proved too much for him. Uh, The pauses served as an opportunity for him to comment on them. He sounded upset, making Frederick one of the very few people on YouTube that never sounded angry or furious, no matter how infuriating the document read is.
1: I find it insane that they're still making videos. Like every so often YouTube will still add a nostalgia critic video
0: to my to my recommendeds. I'm like, no, I unsubscribed for a reason. And uh, you know what you know what's the thing is when I did my, when I did my version, mine was four hours and um, it was it was mostly me just reading it and I didn't really I didn't really give that much insight into it. I mean I said a few things here and there, but I had other people on at the time and they were just coming in and out, in and out and i remember when i was getting done with it i lost my voice
1: yeah it's it's an ordeal like if anyone watching like wants to move forward from the not so awesome incident positively i highly 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 recommend the channels of people who have left the channel that shall not be named like lindsay ellis she has a fantastic channel she puts out quality content um Uh, Todd in the Shadows, he still does music reviews More recently, he's Linkara Uh, Right now, Todd has shifted more to One Hit Wonderland And uh, a new show that he's doing called Train Records Where he talks about albums that completely ruined a band's career Which are amazing Um, Oh, 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 uh, Rantasmo He does a show called Needs More Gay Um, He's friends with Lindsay Ellis Um, His videos are good too um, I'm trying to think of other people that I really enjoy that used to be on that channel. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something, somebody um, that puts out really good content, but I'm, I'm sure it'll come to me if I can remember it.
0: But besides all of that, uh, besides doing the live streams, he also does what's called really odd topics. Uh, it became noticed after there were some internet rabbit holes uh, videos that he did uh, that discussed more very obscure things like Plague Doctors, the Mouse Utopia experiments, the the Collier brothers, and Henry Darger, Time Cube, and Ranji Sparham also made the cut in this cluster of episodes, except it wasn't an event that occurred more than 40 years ago.
1: Can I just say that I'm, I'm really happy that he did a video on that before the whole Netflix thing blew up?
0: It may be it may have been one of the catalysts to start it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like I think it I think it was already in like post production by the time he made his video. But I like that his video came out before uh, it, the documentary
0: was released. And uh, some of the topics that are discussed if, uh, make it so that they're specimens to be observed under a microscope. Without forgetting how to present them in a digestible a digestible matter. It was almost mild matter to avoid dipping, to, to, to dipping in topics to boring levels, which makes Frederick so unique because he doesn't make it boring. Uh, but another thing he does is the mistakes.
1: I love this. I love this.
0: Uh, when he did his, uh, his first video titled Mistakes, he said in, in, uh, on, in the video, and I quote, so occasionally... When I'm making a video, I'll make a mistake. It could be because I get overwhelmed with information or because I just don't take enough time doing the research. But one way or another, they happen. And so I want to take a minute in between making content and making a video about all the mistakes I've made in my videos. So first up, a general note. I have been pronouncing possessive plurals wrong. Take, for example, the word cities. If I was talking about the city's populations, I would just say Cities, just as if it were a possessive or a plural. But I've been pronouncing it with two S's as citiesies, which is technically incorrect.
1: Yeah, I get, I get that, that. That rubs me the wrong way.
0: <laughs> I, I think I picked this one up in college and I just never got corrected on it. However, you do pronounce the SS when you have a proper noun that ends in S. So, for example, Chris Roberts's. I just realized I cover a lot of Chris's on this show.
1: Yeah, right. That's an odd coincidence.
0: Which is funny because when I got to when I sat down with him and talked with him, uh, after we got done talking, he said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some audio of all the mistakes that I sent to my Patreon um, followers. Usually, uh, he when he does his Patreon page, he gives a lot of his guys a lot of his Patreon uh, his patrons a. Uh, mistakes file of like some of the stuff that he does when he does commentary as he's recording, and it, some of it is pretty funny. I actually got to listen to like five minutes of him just fucking up. And he's like, "Shit!" He's <laughs> <It's> like, "Fuck!" <laughs> uh, some of it, some of it is just like, blah, 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 blah. "Ah, why?" And, and you know, it it was actually pretty funny. And I got back to him. I said, "Dude, that is entertaining as hell." Um. So anyway. Uh, this, is what he was, this is what he is saying about his videos. Uh, he said, first up, digital homicide. First off, I mentioned that Jim makes all of his money on Patreon. Not quite true. Jim doesn't place ads on his videos. Those do get money on Patreon, uh, his Jim Quinson videos. His gameplay videos, however, do get ads on them. Also, I mentioned that he probably had a sore spot about the game market crash of 1983, but he wasn't living in America at the time. Its full name is the American Game Market Crash in 1983. However, since he's a game journalist, I figured he'd be at least familiar with it. So I also mentioned that the case against Jim Sterling had been dismissed. That wasn't quite true yet, but what happened was that Rather than suing as digital homicide studios, the Romine brothers had sued personally because if they had sued as the actual studio, they would have had to hire a lawyer and no lawyer on the space of the earth would take this case. Nope. <laughs> Eventually, the Romine brothers retracted their lawsuit after Jim's lawyer contacted them and said, this is only going down one way.
1: It's like, you, you guys can see the writing on the wall,
0: right? Like... Uh, Sonic Q and Christian. Uh, This one, as far as I'm aware, didn't have any errors, but I did leave a lot out. The problem was there's just so much information about him, but I had to leave some out to make it a decent length. I wanted to give an overview, but not a detailed play-by-play, which, by the way, uh, me personally, Jodini, that's what I do play-by-play. So there's like two different spectrums. So when you're trying to do 15 minutes, obviously you're going to leave a lot out, but when you're me and you're doing two hours... Yeah, you could do as much play-by-play as you want and then have to do multiple parts. So that's how we're on the different ends of the spectrum. Um, He he says, I didn't want to let the details get in the way of the story. Uh, One thing I did mess up, as I said, the owner of the game place was outside when Chris and his mother were taking photos. He was actually inside, then came outside to drive them off of his property, and then they drove over him. So the SCP Foundation... This one was okay. I messed up a number in Fishmonger's legal jargon, but, you know, whatever. Uh, the bigger thing I messed up was the threat levels of the SCPs themselves. So, safe means that an object can be reliably contained. Elucid means that the object can't be reliably contained, but if it does create containment, it, will, it can be managed in one way or another. Keeter is basically the same as illicit but with a greater threat when containment is broken. There are a couple of other classes. There's, uh, oh god, these, the, the pronunciation of these words. Uh, Thalmiel, thol, which means that SCP is actively used to help in containment of other SCPs. There's Explained and Neutralized, which are pretty self-explanatory. Then there's one with the rank of Apollyon. But if you're reading the SCP Foundation website, I'm not going to spoil that one for you.
1: I, my, I think my favorite SCPs is, is kind of off-topic, but I love the SCPs that, like, aren't even monsters.
2: Yeah, they're just, they're just, like, ugh. Like, hey.
1: like, like my favorite one is probably the one that, like, is just a, a, a coffee maker that can give you any liquid in the world, including the blood of Christ.
2: Yes! <laughs> it's, it's so
1: weird, I love it.
2: Wasn't there, like, a blob that you touched it, it like, it changed your gender or whatnot?
1: I don't remember. There's so many at this point that, like, I can't keep track of them all.
0: Uh, Anyway, the Collier brothers. Uh, So I think that the photo I used of Homer might have actually been of Langley. The problem is that images pertaining to them are incredibly scarce. And so I just kind of had to take what I could get. I was actually going through imaged archives of old newspapers to try to find information about them. Uh, Vaporwave. Uh, This one, in my opinion, is my worst. The problem was I rushed production, and I really shouldn't have done that. I wasn't as in-depth with my research as I should have been. First of all, calling Daniel Wapiton's music as noise music is not entirely accurate. It's more ambient. Also, I mentioned that he wasn't doing very well in the scene. He was reasonably successful. It's pronounced echo-virtual, not eco-virtual. And deep fantasy is not vaporwave. Uh, they sound similar, but the production processes are entirely different. So, this next mistake is probably the biggest one I've made yet. So, I showed a picture and said that was of Romana Xavier. That was a picture of a woman named Tara Bush. I was I was looking for images of Xavier, and there were multiple sources that said, yeah, this is Romana Xavier, and they're wrong. Ramona, if you're watching this, I am so goddamn sorry. I lo- I owe you like 10 beers. Uh. <laughs> There were also people in the comments giving ba- better examples of Vaporwave in other places, both the visual and audible style of it. I probably should have brought up Hotline Miami.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, as in a visual aesthetic way, there's not much in the way of Vaporwave musically there, but it does have a killer soundtrack. It's so good.
0: Uh, so the Star Citizen video was generally okay. Uh, People accuse me of being both too harsh and too lenient, which kind of makes me think I did a good job. I did make a lot of qualitative assessments, though, and that's something that I could change once I would do it again. So the plague brothers – no, the plague brothers. So the plague doctors. I need to make it a couple of clarifying points. First of all, the Dark Ages is kind of a misnomer, and historians don't really use it very often anymore. And when they reference the period, they call it the Middle Ages. From about 500 to 1000 AD, there was a period of stagnation, but that eventually tapered off. So calling them the Dark Ages kind of does them a disservice. So people were saying that there were cities more populous than cities in the Dark Ages, and that's true. But the concentrations of the people was much higher in the Dark Ages. Also, no one merchant would go all the way from east coast of China to the west coast of Europe. Well, what would happen is the packages would get passed along from merchants to merchants to merchants. So, as for the plague itself, there has been a little bit of contention about what caused it. I used the latest study that I can find. Also, the plague isn't entirely gone. Occasionally, a couple of people will get it. However, it's not nearly so lethal anymore. Also, people from the medieval period didn't wear top hats. Uh, anime and otaku. So, World War II is a sticky topic. Evidence suggests that Emperor Hirohito didn't get reliable information about the first bomb or that he was given, even given a chance to surrender. Also, as funny as it sounds, nuking Japan did not cause anime. Let's get that straight. So, obviously, I skimmed over a ton of information, but the video is already 40 minutes long, like more than twice as long as my episodes usually are, so some points needed to suffer for the sake of brevity. Uh, so Empress Teresa, uh, this one was actually fine. For those of you wondering, no, I have not gotten a nasty letter from Norman yet. I did, however, get some comments from the people in the argument. Allegingly, they told me that there are some comments that actually are completely removed. There's no evidence of them left. Also, I still kind of want to do a live reading of the free sample on Amazon, which he already did. <laughs> Alright, so the Darkseid Phil episode was rifle with minor errors. Simply put, I got overwhelmed. There is an absurd amount of information about him, but none of it is nicely collated like that of Chris Chan. And so there were a lot of things I just missed. There are a lot of points that I got wrong because I couldn't quite find the snippet of information that I needed. If I were to do it right, it would have taken me another month or so. Even so, I'm not happy with how it turned out. So first of all, If he had just made his videos private, like I stated, he wouldn't have lost the views. But Machinima encouraged him to completely delete the videos, and that lost him views. Also, the game was Kingdom Hearts 1, not 2. I've never played them all, so I kept saying that it was about to get worse. That's like the audible version of clickbait. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Man, Kingdom Hearts is such a is such a rabbit hole on its own, but I feel like I feel like um, uh, PCP University has done enough to like. Uh, the only reason I know the lore behind Kingdom Hearts now is because of that lecture and my friends. I I love I loved being in the part of the people when that that trailer dropped. And everyone was like, "Aqua got norted, guys! Aqua got norted!" And everyone like who does not know the Lord of Kingdom Hearts were like, "On one hand, man, people need to stop shaming people uh, who like Kingdom Hearts. They're just having a fun time. On the other hand, they refer to characters who have been possessed by the great big baddie as norted." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, He also said, uh, he talks about swatting that he said in the Darkside Phil video. He said, swatting is obviously a really awful and illegal practice. However, since I usually try to keep a neutral tone, I try to keep my opinion as quiet as possible. But obviously just putting it in there at all was probably the wrong thing to do. This is the tricky thing about having a more neutral voice is anytime you give any small bit of opinion, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So the mistake there was even using the word questionable. I should have just presented what swatting is and then the, horrendous of, the horrendousness of the behavior would just be self-explanatory.
1: Yeah, and just let it speak for itself. Uh, so
0: Mother Horse Eyes. This one was okay. I didn't make any mistakes in this one, I don't think. Actually, Mother Horse Eyes messaged me on Reddit and thanked me for making the video, and that was really cool. Also, I got to have a short conversation in the comments of Reddit with Gabby Cat, and that was really fun. Uh, Frederick kept his promise about researching data about his documentaries while testing if he can finally make them longer without having to split them into two parts, like what he did in the anime and Itaku clips. Uh, it resulted to almost sporadic uploads, but the anticipation just made the clips, whether it's a live reading or another documentary worth sitting down over, go through the roof. When he uploaded a clip about Spoonie, there's skepticism when it came to the way he handled the topic.
1: Yeah, I, I, I remember uh, listening to this one on my way. I was driving either to or from uh, school. I remember this
0: one. So the moment viewers read Frederick's video description in the comments section, they were intrigued. Frederick said, This was another one of those videos where I had to leave a lot of information out for the sake of brevity. This is in no way a complete history This also was a very self-reflective one for obvious reasons. Um, But for viewers that saw the Mr. Medicure series on that guy with the glasses first, comparison is inevitable. Frederick's non-judgmental approach to presenting a subject is again seen. Uh, He did not shy away from discussing how Spoonie handled criticism. And even if he mentioned Spoonie's mental illness, he did not make an effort to connect it with the atrocious part of his behavior, which I admit that I did. Um, The neutral tone with which Frederick discussed Spoonie made Spoonie's fans comment positively on this episode. Uh, One comment from rgirl0020 said, As someone who suffers from mental illness and as someone who has overcome and begun to thrive despite it, I hope and wish that the same becomes true for Noah. It's not easy, especially when the mentally ill aren't given the proper help they need by the current healthcare system, especially in the U.S., I loved binge-watching his content when I was younger and he has such a presence to him that makes it effortless to watch him. Even if he doesn't go back to making content, it would be great to see him become healthy again. If there ever was negative feedback about the uh, Spoonie episode, it's not about Frederick or Spoonie, it's about Lord Cat. Uh, The viewers actually appreciated how Lord Cat's commentary is played side-by-side with a clip of Spoonie snapping the betrayal thing that happened at... uh, e3 Uh, while angry joe simply looked around and checked if there was someone else that heard spoonie meaning whatever criticism is thrown against spoonie's behavior didn't come from frederick but actually from lord cat Uh, the spoonie episode proved that frederick's down the rabbit hole is the youtube documentary series to go to for a fair neutral approach for any topic online worth discussing Uh, This despite ending the video with a slideshow of Spoonie's photos found on social media at the time when he was still active. It also included an audio recording of Spoonie's statement about his departure from Channel Awesome. Uh, Here Spoonie said, I want to be me, I want to say what I want to say. It served as a direct reference to Lupa's issue with him. One of the last tweets that Spoonie made was displayed in a screenshot saying, Uh, Let this be an important lesson. Your health insurance doesn't give a piss whether or not I kill myself or how many people I take down with me. Uh, That tweet was dated December 7th of last year, around the time Spoonie stopped seeing a psychiatrist. It was also one of the last tweets seen before Spoonie got a permaban from Twitter. Uh, the Spoonie experiment website is almost defunct and nothing is known about Spoonie and not even Frederick can conclude if Spoonie will ever come back online. Uh, Frederick ended the episode with an insight on how internet popularity can destroy a person consistent to his actual video description. When an early internet reviewer receives remarkable fame, he turns it into his career but finds that his greatest obstacle is his own behavior.
1: Yeah, man, the, the way that... The way the that that guy with the glasses turned out is kind of weird. Like, like there, there's this guy in the comments of Frederick's video that says, so of the original, that guy with the glasses crew, Spoonie was forced out and has disappeared. Jesu Otaku retired and is a trans man. Juario committed suicide. And at least a dozen other content creators have just stopped. Why do I feel old all of a sudden? And, and then it has, I think like 200 replies and a lot of them are like, Todd is still active, Lindsay Ellis is still active, but she doesn't do Nostalgia Chick anymore because... gross. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. As we've clearly seen in that documentary... Uh, that, not, the, not the documentary, the document. Um, so actually, the, the Ranjini uh, uh episode was actually the first down-the-rabbit-hole episode taken down for copyright concerns. Uh, Frederick had to edit the video and re-upload it without the clips in contention. It could have been one of the more serious clips he has uploaded on his channel since it managed to feature scalding hot topics like race, politics, and religion. Uh, Frederick didn't describe the atrocious behaviors of the main founders of this cult that happened in Oregon. Uh, He simply included the clips of them speaking negatively about the U.S. government, the people of Oregon, and everyone else they are not in good terms with. It got edgy without Frederick intending it to, due to the exposure of cult members meditating while writhing on the floor while screaming, wearing what looks like a sackcloth and no underwear. That was like the only thing they were wearing.
1: Yeah, on the on the topic of it getting taken down, in in the version that's live right now, there is a little. Uh, card that Frederick put up in the beginning. It says, "In an attempt to censor criticism, Osho International has fraudulently claimed news footage as their own on YouTube. Therefore, certain news clips were forced to be cut from the final edit of this video. No information has been removed."
0: So I have not, I have not seen. I haven't watched any of his recent stuff right now because I'm just so focused on this. But you know, every now and then I'll try to catch up on it. And you know, like, and every time I look up on Twitter, I'll try to see what he's posting. But a lot of times. I don't get a chance to see it, and even then, even today, I was just trying to go through as much as I could. I mean, I, it, it it's tough when you're trying to, you know, trying to focus on so many things at once. But at the same time, when you're, when I'm trying to, you know, do something like this, I try to like the look and see. And unfortunately, I had no idea about the whole copyright thing, so I had no clue. I mean, I know I did see a tweet where he was saying. Like, he was feeling down about something, and I think it had something to do with the copyright thing. I'm not totally sure, so don't quote me on that.
1: I mean, that 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 take me down, too, man. I, mean, I put I put effort into this 40-minute long video only for the, these people to strike me down.
2: Ran, this random person who I never met and never stole video from claimed it as their own.
0: And I remember, like, he was feeling down about it, so I sent him a personal uh, a DM, and I said, Hey, man, are you alright? What's uh, I, I had no idea what was going on, so... I just said, "Hey man, just so you know, you have a lot of and I can't remember the exact thing that I said, so I'm just paraphrasing here. So I said, you know, you have you know, don't feel down about something that's like going through with your content right now. I mean, you still got a lot of fans that love you and you still got a lot of uh, people that are going to support you no matter what happens. And you know, you can probably you can this is just a little minor miss. This is just a little little bump in the road, but you know, you'll you'll get to the you'll get to the land of milk and honey soon." Uh you know, on a, I think this was before he even got the the YouTube play button, so or it could have been afterwards, and it could have been before the two hundred thousand thing. But anyway, so the last episode that he uh, the 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 furries episode, which is like his most recent episode as of this recording, uh, he chose yeah he chose to discuss uh, to discuss them as a group and and from the origins of the subculture that was. Traced for, uh, to Los Angeles and confirmed some suspicions about them. Uh, the furries were actually sexual, starting from a few cartoonists who chose to draw anthropomorphic characters with uh, human genitals and boobs. Uh, it's one of the it's one it's one of the one of the few furry documentaries that did not mention Rainforest. Oh
1: man, <laughs> Rainforest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, see, which I've already covered a few episodes ago.
1: See, I haven't even I haven't even finished his furries video yet, so I didn't know that he doesn't talk about Rainforest. It's
0: it's a it's a well of information. Yeah, not even once did he cover it. Uh the only communities he mentioned were based in Los Angeles and New York only. So the tone is still non-judgmental, and he simply just let the cartoonists involved speak in the form of audio recordings that sound like excerpts from podcasts due to the quality of the clips that he was using
1: again it's his videos are great i can't i can't i can't i can't say anything bad about frederick's videos they're really well done
2: yeah
0: yeah i've had nothing bad to say about him at all i mean he's a he's a he's a down-to-earth guy he was very cool to talk to personally when i interviewed him and if i still had the video up i would probably say check that video out yeah you removed it yeah, it got it got removed in the process of me trying to clean out everything. Um, yeah, but you know, I you know, it, it's not really the video that's important. It's about the memories of you know talking to somebody that you've looked up uh, looked up to and said, "Hey, this is what I want to ter- turn. This is what something that I want to do in terms of uh, presenting things." Yeah, that's that's how I feel about down the rabbit hole in general. I mean, I'll, I'll try to catch up, as much and I it, when he gets to five hundred thousand, I'll send him a congratulations because then he gets the gold play button. Or not five hundred thousand, a million. My what am I talking about? When he gets to one million, then I'll uh, I'll send him like a big congrats. Uh, but okay, so that's down the rabbit hole. Next time around, we're going to be talking about the web comic relief which is a, uh, a website that YouTuber... And uh, actually, uh, I've been talking to him on Twitter, and we're trying to work out him actually coming on as a first-time guest for a Legends episode that revolves around that person. Oh, really?
2: You couldn't get this episode, so you get in the next one?
0: Well, Frederick's a very busy guy. Uh, Riser, Ry- uh, who is the host of Webcomic Relief, uh, he's actually very... Um, when I when I did the tweet about the final four he actually retweeted it so I know he yeah, I know he pays attention because when the whole voting process for this season happened there were a lot of web comic relief fans that wanted to see me do an episode on him in fact they wanted web comic relief to be the season finale but cool cat ended up kicking their asses even with all the support yeah so uh I reached out to him and he said yeah I'm down just give me a uh, just well, we just have to work out a day at a time. And so him and I are, if it works out, him and I are going to actually sit down and I think he lives in Denmark. So that's going to be uh, yeah. Yeah. So our time difference is going to be different, but then again, I, I, that won't be an issue. So yeah, that's going to do it for us for uh, legends, guys. And uh, by the way, for those of you that are listening on our podcasting platform, anchor specifically, there's a way that you can help uh, support the podcast there uh it's anchor.fm slash Jodini. what you can do is um whatever you can describe to us you can rate us uh, however you want um but if you want to help give a like a monthly support if you want to donate like a dollar or five or ten dollars a month you the, all the proceeds will help into going into improving the show and helping maintain the show so that we can keep doing this for you guys because you guys are fucking awesome i mean yeah, the amount of the amount of, uh, the, amount of um, the amount of comments that we get for the different videos every single time I upload is uh, the episodes is fantastic and especially for this season like the the, the comments have gotten a lot more uh, positive Because we've definitely made some changes here and there that I know people have been like getting us on about. So we do listen to you, and we do love you guys. I mean, there's no other way that we could do this without you and the support that you were showing for the entire show. I mean, I know we're at a very small number now, and people wish that we were on that we had Frederick numbers right now. But you know, it, it it took him two years. It will probably take us another two years before we get there. So. And since, and since we're a podcast and not technically a YouTube video, um, it's a little different. But you know, as, as, as years go by, things change and things evolve, and YouTube might start their own podcasting platform, which if that's the case, I'm totally on board, and that will definitely um, get us up even more. But Anchor, I mean, there's a lot of people listening to us on Anchor. We definitely get about 120-some-odd people listening every week. And that's a pretty big number considering, uh, considering what else is on there. But again, if you want to help support the show, just go to anchor.fm slash Jodini. Uh, the, the link is in the description below if you're listening on YouTube or the podcasting platforms. You could definitely check us out, um, check out to help support us. Uh, if you happen to be listening on any of the podcasting platforms, like I said, rate us uh, five stars, leave a review of the show. Uh, leave any comments uh, whatsoever if you get a chance, and if you happen to be listening on YouTube, uh, like and subscribe if you dare so. Listen to any of our other episodes that we have done in the past, and um, the links to my Twitter at Jodini Legend and Instagram, same same handle is in there below. The Twitter page usually involves me uh, um, getting fans to vote for the next Legends for the next season and some other updates as well as the Instagram page getting uh, different uh, little one-minute clips up so that people can hear things every now and then. Uh, So until I see you guys next time, uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you later. Bye, everybody.
2: Later.